thank you for our brother Ted, and we just pray your blessing upon him this morning. We pray that he'll bring a word that is a good season for this church. In Jesus' name. interested in hearing what I have to say, but my prayer is that by the Spirit of the living God, you will hear what God has to say. Then the same went out amongst the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remains like mine, what is that to you? May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. It's good to be back again. It is certainly good to be back again. Let me begin by asking a question. Have you done something wrong that you were quite confident that you were able to pull off? You thought you could do it well. You were given the opportunity to prove yourself. Come that moment, things did not go as planned. Not only did you let yourself down, but you let the world move gave you the opportunity. 
You see, as we progress and as we move along in our Christian walk, we all here, we have known moments of failure. We have disappointed loved ones at times. Wives know they disappointed husbands. Bring to them on some occasions and vice versa. And we sense that we have failed sometimes as parents, or we have failed sometimes as workers. And this is the period of the year where we set goals, don't we? It's coming Christmas. We set goals, we arrange our priorities. And if we look back at last year, we have not been good at keeping those goals or priorities. Some of us, we said we would lose weight. But if the statistician are anything to go by, our promise to lose weight never materializes. But nothing is as great and as mind-crushing as when we let down our Savior. And so the Savior beats us today in my sermon, let us start again. We'll be looking at the story of Simon Peter, one of Christ's chief disciples. They all knew Jesus Christ to be the Messiah, the hope of the whole world. He was supposed to restore glory back to Israel. He walked with them, he performed so many miracles. And if you remember the Gospel accounts by John and James, they said, to Jesus by their mother, can we sit at your left hand and at your right hand? You see, it was all about glory. But as Jesus unveiled himself as Messiah to his people, he ended up being crucified. So it was a period of great uncertainty. And John tells us in this account that Jesus appeared to his disciples. This, by the way, was the third time he would appear to his disciples to unveil himself to them as the risen King and Lord of glory. And he sent word to Peter, wait for me in Galilee. I will manifest myself to you. Well, if you look further down, Peter and the rest we're tired of waiting. And Peter decided to go fishing. And the rest joined Peter. And they toiled all night without catching any fish. And Jesus appeared to them and said, Children, have you got anything to eat? And they said, No. He told them, Throw your nets on this side of the river and you'll catch much fish. Which they did. Reminiscent of the time when Jesus called Peter and said to Peter, I will make you fishers of men. You see, Christ revealed himself in familiar territories to his disciples. Also reminiscent of the time he fed the 5,000 with two loaves and five fishes. And so, they drew out the fishes and there was not enough 
and they could not pull because the net was breaking. And Jesus made breakfast for his disciples, indicating to them that without him they can do nothing. All our provision comes from him. And you would remember on this occasion, it was in Galilee, and also they sat by the coal fire. When Peter denied Jesus three times, it was by a coal fire where he swore he did not know Jesus and was cursing. And so Jesus appeared to his disciples and after breakfast he took Peter his chief disciples aside to have a word with Peter because you see Peter had openly disowned the master and so Jesus took him aside and after breakfast they walked in the distance and he said to him Simon son of Jonah do you love me? You see, all of Christian's duty is summed up in this word, love. The Bible says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your soul, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. On this hang the law and the prophets. The Bible says, if you walk in love, you will fulfill all the commandments of God. So it's a question that should be asked, that must be asked, that requires a response. Do you love me? For you see, Christ deserves the chief place in our hearts. Now, there are three ways we can understand this word, do you love me more than this? The first way is, do you love me, Simon Peter, more than fishing? Some commentators will say, yeah, that's what Christ was getting at. Do you love me more than fishing? I told you to wait for me in Galilee, but rather than wait for me, you went out fishing. So do you love me more than fishing? To put it in modern jargon, do you love me more than you love your career? Some Christians stumble in their Christian work because of their career. Because of the security it gives to them. Because of the status the sense of achievement, the sense of recognition, they will not mind to step on anyone to get to the top. They will compromise Christian values to get to the top. And so what these commentators, some commentators are saying, Jesus is simply saying to Peter, do you love me more than your career? And by the way, there's nothing wrong in having a good career. It's simply in your order of priority is Jesus first and your career second. That's the point. As good as that thought is, I do not think that's what Jesus is getting at. 
The second way we can understand this text can be this. Do you love me more than the rest? Or to put it another way, do you love me more than your companions? Do you love me more than your friends? Some Christian folks, if they do not stumble in the first sense, which is their career, they stumble at this very point. Because they want to belong to a group. The sense of belonging to a group causes them to trip in the Christian walk. They rather disappoint the Savior than disappoint their friends. In fact, if they think their friends frown at religion, they are willing to adjust their Christianity so that they can maintain their friends. Let's be careful of the herd mentality. As good as that is, I do not think that's what Christ was getting at. Okay? We must love Christ above our friends, but I do not think that's what Jesus was getting at in his text. It is this, the third point. Do you love me more than the rest of the disciples love me? You would remember at the hour of his trials, Jesus sat with his disciples and Jesus says to his disciples that they will abandon him. And Simon Peter on that occasion says, if everyone abandoned you or everyone is caused to stumble on your account, I will not stumble. You can count on me, Jesus. Jesus said before the cup closed three times, you will deny you ever knew me. And on one occasion, Peter says, I am willing to die for you. In other words, Jesus, if only you knew me very well, you would know there is no way I will deny you. He was self-confident. If he was assured of himself. But when he was tested, when the hour of trial came, Peter denied his Lord. You see, tests and trials reveal the true character of a thing. You never know what you're capable of doing until you're tested, until you're proved. While you're not tested, it is cheap talk. But when you're tested, when you're proved, when you're under trial, the true self comes out. Oh, we say, oh, it was because I was under pressure, that's why I did what I did. No. It's a revelation of who you truly are. And Jesus said, in light of the fact you once said, you loved me more than the rest of the disciples. Do you now stand by that testimony? <coughs> it's interesting Peter's response. Peter drops the comparison. He is no longer prepared to compare himself with others. He drops the comparison. He says, Lord, you know all things. 
all things are open to you, despite my failure and my shortcoming, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, if that's the case, then feed my lamb. Feed my lamb. I wish all Christians would hear this word of the Savior. Do not cock out. Do not neglect this duty, but feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. Christ wants his church to know what they believe. He wants you to be matured. He wants you to grow up. He wants you not to be a child. He wants you to be about gospel enterprise, fulfilling his mission for your life. And so therefore, he says, one of the chief priorities you must have is to feed his lambs. Do not leave it to God's channel television. I mean, do not leave it to books. You have been charged with the responsibility of feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ. Uh, you might say, well, I'm not an elder. Well, that does not apply to me. If you're a parent, do not leave it to the church. You do it. The church only supplements what you do at home. But it is your duty, it is your responsibility to feed Christ's sheep. And what's the goal? So that we might be matured, so that we might come to the unity of the faith, so that we are no longer tossed and fro by any wind of doctrine. You will be amazed how in our nation, and speaking internationally, there is a vanishing in Christian conviction. Christians simply do not know what they believe and what is taught in the Bible. And it is our priority to bring the church back to what Jesus' priority is and what his teachings are. And so he says to them, feed my sheep. You see, all of Christian duty must be driven by a spirit of love. We carry out our duty, we carry out our assignment because of love for the Savior. Let me say this carefully. We do not do it because we want to be recognized, because we want a position, or we want to be patted at the back. No, we do it out of sincere and true love for the Savior. We do not do it haphazardly in a non-challenged attitude. Or grow weary and become mechanical in the way we go about our duty. No, we do it out of love. You know when Christ appeared to the church in Ephesus, he says to them in the book of Revelation chapter 2, he says to them, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. You have tested them who proclaim to be apostles and found out that they are false. But there's this I have against you. You have left your first love. Now, I do not need to elaborate on that. 
my wife will know when we first met, and you will know. You spoke about the moon, you spoke about the sunshine, you spoke about the sea, you spoke about life in general. But as you begin to settle in married life, those things are no longer important. But Jesus said, you have left your first love. And what does he say? Repent. And again, the Savior says to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me? And Simon says again, Lord, you know all things. I do love you. And Jesus says, if that's the case, tend my sheep. We must be a caring church. We must be a people that value people, that make people feel welcome, that make people feel appreciated. We must show deep concern in what people are going through. It's not good enough to say we care, but we must demonstrate that care. Our care must show up in practical ways. And Jesus says, care for my sheep. And part of caring for my sheep is that when things go wrong, we are willing to confront and to address issues in a spirit of love. Let me illustrate my point. In the church which I attend, we've got an elder called Taylor. I believe he's preached here a couple of times. And sometimes when he gives me some preaching assignment or something to do, things do not go right as I thought it would in my mind. And Nick will say to me, when we go back to debriefing, Ted, do not worry about the fact you got it wrong. I feel for you. I know what it is like to be in that position. But rather, what can you do next time so that you do not make the same mistake? Now, I can see he's interested in my welfare. I can see he wants me to succeed. I can see he wants the best for me. And because of that, do you know what? I go away from that meeting saying to myself, I better listen to this guy. So therefore, when we have to address things, when we have to confront things, we must do it in a spirit of love. Is that not what Paul says in the book of Galatians, the, chief, the sixth chapter? He says, if a brother is taken with a fault, those of you who are spiritual, who are spiritually matured, who are spiritually discerning, correct such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And folks, if people know that we're genuinely interested in them succeeding, guess what? They will be interested in our Savior. By our actions, by our attitude, people will open up to our Savior. But there is a danger, isn't it? 
There's such a thing as wanting to care that we go beyond the boundaries set by the scripture. You see, our care, our concern must flow out of the Bible, must be defined by the Savior. And some folks, sometimes, to show to the world that we genuinely care and we're genuinely interested, they have compromised Christian principle. And when we do that, do you know what we are saying? That we care more than Jesus cares. And if we care more than Jesus cares, guess what? That the church of Jesus Christ should renounce our faith in Christ and worship you. Because if you have a quality more than Christ, then you are greater than him. But if you do not have that quality more than Christ, then guess what? Let us maintain our care within the confines of the scripture. Neither turning to the left, veering away from the scripture, or turning to the right, veering away from the scripture. And so Jesus says, care for my sheep. The way you prove that you love me is by feeding my sheep and by caring for my people. And Christ says to Simon Peter again, Simon, Simon, do you love me? And guess what? The Bible tells us that Simon was hurt. Sometimes we avoid addressing issues because it hurts. Let's be honest about it. Well, like I've said to you, we must do it with and in a spirit of love. Nevertheless, Christ addressed Simon to bring out the best in him, to prepare him for his future. This was the third time. Simon denied Christ three times. Christ confronted him three times. In other words, I am committed to seeing you succeed. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. No matter what it takes, I will be there with you until you get it. Simon Peter says, Lord, you know all things. I do love you. Now, there might be some of you sitting here this morning, and you would say to yourself, well, nothing has prepared me for the task Christ has just assigned to me. But may I remind you of this? You remember when Jesus appeared to Simon and said to Simon, Simon, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Nothing in Simon Peter's background prepared him for the task ahead. I know some people do think there was, but nothing in his background prepared him for the task ahead. In fact, Jesus said, as you follow me, I will be the one who will make you fishers of men. Let's look at his background. 
was a fisherman. The fishes ought to be afraid of Simon because they end up in his belly or they're exploited. They should run away from him. But this time around, Christ is calling Peter to be a shepherd of his people. So therefore, friends, as you follow the master, he is the one that will prepare you for the task, for the assignment, and he will be the one that will empower you for the task, for the assignment. And Simon says, Lord, you know all things. I love you. So it's a question of love. Do you love the Savior this morning? Does he have the chief place in your affections? And when Jesus said that to Simon Peter, you know what Simon did? He turned around, he saw John, and he says, Lord, what about John? Again, comparing himself with his fellow disciples. Let me put it this way. Do not be interested in what the world, in what the Lord is doing in the wider church, or what the Lord is doing in the church down the road or in frontiers. Be busy in what He has called you to do. Do not measure your progress by other churches because the Bible says those who measure themselves among themselves are on wise. Rather, measure yourself by what Christ has assigned to you. Be busy about what Christ has called you to do. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, there will come a day when you will stretch out your hand and someone will take you where you do not want to go. When you were young, you went where you wanted to go. But a time is coming where you will go where you do not want to go. Simon loved his life. He denied the master. But Jesus did not give up on him. Jesus walked with Simon. And Jesus predicted that Simon Peter will one day glorify God by his death. And according to church tradition, one day, <coughs> Simon, the shaky, the vacillating Peter, walked up to be martyred. And on that occasion, church tradition tells us that Simon, one request was that he be not crucified upward, but he be crucified upside down. Friends, let me say this to you. The end of a matter is better than the beginning. It's not how you start. It's not the bumps you experience on your way. But it's how you finish the race. Look at what Jesus accomplished through Simon. 
you may have failed the Savior today. You may be here discouraged, but look at Simon Peter. Look at what Christ was able to accomplish to a soul who is yielded to him. The Bible says he will not revoke his covenant or his promises concerning you. All the promises of God are a yea and amen to the glory of God. We are more than conquerors. Yes, we may be knocked down, we may fall, but we are more than conquerors to him who has loved us. Nothing, absolutely nothing, shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So let me encourage you. Strengthen those feeble means of yours. Strengthen yourself. Draw comfort from the fact that Christ was able to accomplish great things. You will say to me, Ted, you don't know about my story. I seem to be always falling again and again and again and again. Well, let me give you one illustration before I finish. From Simon Peter again. When the gospel was supposed to be going to the Gentiles, Christ gave Simon Peter a vision. And there were all kinds of food on the sheet. And he said to Simon Peter, take and eat. And Simon said, no, Andy. And God says to Simon Peter, what God has declared clean, let no man declare otherwise. So God revealed to Simon Peter that he will be taking the gospel to the Gentile nation. Well, in the book of Galatians, guess what happened? Simon Peter was eating with Gentiles, non-Jewish people. He was happily eating with them, associating with them, conversing with them. But when settlement from James came, he began to disassociate himself from his Gentile believers. And Paul confronted him on that occasion. Yet again, Sam Peter failed the Savior. Friends, do not be discouraged. Do not lose heart in your Christian work. Christ is able to make something precious out of your life. So therefore, let us bow our heads and our knees. Let us pray for grace to be able to walk afresh with you. My sermon this morning is a call to let us start the game with the Savior. God bless you. Amen.